Can we glorify the name of Jesus in this house for a moment? You were once lost, unworthy to be in a relationship with the perfect God, but he sent a perfect solution, his son Jesus, who died on the cross for your sins. And now when he sees you, he sees you son and daughter worthy. So that's why we give him all the praise, all the acclaim, all the honor goes to King Jesus. Amen. How we doing, Kingdom City Church? Can we welcome those online, particularly our location right now at Lansing Correctional? We love you. We believe in you. We're grateful to do church with you. Everybody good? Hey, look around, look around, look around. There's not a lot of room. Okay, you need to come to the 9 a.m. Okay, if you're up early, you come to the 9 a.m. Uh, and if we continue to grow, as we continue to grow, we will make more room. Cool? Excited for the future? What about your future? You ready to make more room? You got more room for God to move? I don't know about you, I got a whole lot of place where I want God to move. I want God to move more. More in my marriage, more in my raising of my kids. I want God to move. So I gotta make room, amen? Amen. High five your neighbor and say, great decision. You came to church, that was a great decision. You can grab your seats. As we're all together here in Kingdom City for this season, I pray it's more than just proximity. I pray that there's a new spirit of unity, a new passion and purpose, a new divine camaraderie of why we're together in this thing. And that the world would take notice that something about Kingdom City is, is just built different. They're honoring of each other. They're not backbiters, they're not gossips. It's diverse, it looks like the city. It loves the city, it serves the city. It's, it's all about Jesus. It's not about status, it's not about just a, a loud celebration on a Sunday that there's a significant move of the Holy Spirit that's happening here that's building the life of the believer as we're building according to the blueprint of our God calling the word of God. This year we've been reading through the Bible together and I've been preaching uh, pretty much every weekend based upon what we just read or we're about ready to read. And, and this week we came across early in the week um, what is a, a Turner family heirloom. Psalm 112. Y'all know Psalm 112? If you're not, if you didn't know it, now you're going to know it. If you don't know, now you know. It's going to happen today. Uh, Psalm 112. Liz has been praying this since we, honestly, since we had our, our, our firstborn, Blair. Hard to believe she's going into middle school today. By the way, that confetti will come down at the most inappropriate moment. It will land right on my nose. I promise you that. But she's been declaring this over our family for over a decade now, and it's, a, it's an honor to get to teach and share some thoughts from this for you and your life and your family and your future today. Psalms 112 says, praise the Lord. Why don't we just take a two-second praise break right there, wherever you're at. Just go, praise the Lord. Some of you didn't participate, and that's between you and the Almighty. Not because I didn't invite you. You just didn't take the invitation. Blessed are those who fear the Lord. Blessed are those that are honoring and in awe and inspired by who God is. That have a reverence for God. But blessed are those who fear the Lord, who find great delight in his commands. It's not do I have to, it's I get to. 
their children, their children will be mighty in the land. They're not just going to graduate and get a degree and get a job. They might do all those things, but they're going to be mighty influencers for God in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches are in their houses. Hello, if you've been looking at that lake house. And their righteousness endures forever. Even in darkness, light dawns for the upright. In other words, it might be lights out for everyone else, but I still got a light. I still got a way. God's still illuminating my path for those who are gracious and compassionate and righteous. Good will come to those who are generous and lend freely, who can adduct their affairs with justice. Surely the righteous will never be shaken. They will be remembered forever. They will have no fear of bad news. Their hearts are steadfast, trusting in the Lord. Their hearts are secure. They will have no fear. Why? Because in the end, they will look in triumph over the enemy, the foes. In other words, when it ends, it's going to end well. How many, when you read that passage, just like, man, I wish that was the reality of my life. I want more of that. Well, the truth is, it's not going to happen overnight. But that promise in the word, that song, that Psalm 112 can be the reality of your family and of your future. I love this. This is where I want to highlight today. Verse 2 says, their children will be mighty in the land and the generation of the upright will be blessed. I want to speak today a message that's particularly for fathers, mothers, grandparents, but it's for every one of you because I know you're going to find something that's going to speak to your life. I want to speak today about the family that God blesses. How to be the kind of family that God blesses. Lord, we thank you for your word that points us to Jesus. We thank you for Jesus who has saved us from our sins and sent the Holy Spirit. We thank you for the Holy Spirit who highlights the places of change, who comforts and encourages us and empowers us to live a life bigger for Jesus. Lord, today, wherever we might find ourselves on our journey of faith, I think we're taking steps closer to you, closer to our calling, closer to your presence, closer to that which you've prepared us for. We're taking steps into destiny. So change our hearts, change our minds as we have humble and open ears, not to just hear, but to be quick to obey your words and your ways. And I just pray over Kingdom City Church, over our kids, over everyone in the room, everyone online, everyone at Lansing, that for us and our families, we're going to be called blessed in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Amen. God so loved the world, all of humanity, that he sent his one and only son as a trade, his perfection for our imperfection. Why? Because God wanted a family. He was complete in himself. He does not need anything, but he lacks nothing. But he wants you. He wants me. He wants all of humanity. Your heavenly father is a family man. We see this in the Old Testament particularly, how, how much he... He, he, he divinely inspired by the Holy Spirit, they unpacked the genealogies and the lineage of every single person that we read about. You almost always hear about who their dad was and who their mom was and who their great-grandfather was because for, to God's heart, the generations are so important, so vital. 
In fact, he even reveals himself and people declare about him that he's the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. In other words, this has gone on longer than you and it's going to go on after you. But for our generation, for this time and space and calling, there's something that God wants to do. So because God's into generations and the things outlasting us, we don't just share a little bit of Jesus with our family. No, we live for Jesus as a family. We become more like Jesus as a family. This is not just for mom to drag the kids to church. This is for every dad to own their place of destiny. That maybe you didn't grow up in it, but now you're a disciple of Jesus Christ and disciples make more disciples. And we start with those in our own household. We're into generational things because God is into generational things. I love what John Wesley, John Wesley wrote. Um, he said, the, the faith that has conquered every form of persecution, that has shaken the gates of hell, that has conquered the power of Satan, that has reunited earth with heaven, is not satisfied with, with just being passed on to the next generation. You know what he's saying? This this world-changing faith in Jesus, this gospel that goes on forever, it is not enough just to say, yeah, my kids are Christian. We raise a Christian home. It's not enough just to bring them to church. We've got to make sure that not only do they receive it, they own it. And not only do they own it, they grow it. Because this is actually how we change the world. We build a generational church which each generation gets to stand on the shoulders of the previous one. I get to stand on my parents' shoulders and take the gospel farther. My kids, no matter what they are called to do as vocation, they are called as believers to go farther than I did and Liz did. Do you know yourself? You might not be standing on much when it comes to a heritage of faith, but God can change that starting today because we're in this thing to see the... the the family that God blesses, that God builds, that God anoints, that God, that God breathes on. So it's not enough to just teach them the moral ways of, 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 of what's right and what's wrong. We want them to take complete ownership of their calling in Christ. Their children, your children will be what? Will be mighty in the land. In other words, not just Christians. We want them to be courageous, called and anointed and ready to build battle, win, ready to win battles that are yet to come. So it's not enough just to pass it on. We got to press in. And it is press in season. It's press in season for you. Look around the world. Culture's bombarding our families nonstop. So we need to press pause on all the things the world is saying so we can have a real talk about what the families of Kingdom City truly believe. What are we really after? What's our goal and objective in this thing called life? And that's where we begin to start and leave a real legacy, a life with such a big vision for God that it outlives you. But as we press in, we can expect pushback. How many know that's the truth? The moment you start living for God, any sort of public declaration of faith. And by the way, we got people being baptized today, going public in their faith. It's going to be a great day. The moment you say yes to more, there's more resistance as well. So as we press in, there'll be pushed back. It is going to take a fight because, listen, 
all of hell is preoccupied and obsessed with stopping generational transfer, generational blessing, and generational breakthrough. Think about it even biblically. Think about, about Pharaoh intimidated by the Hebrew people that he kills off, emphasized on all the boys. But out of those, they could not kill the leader named Moses, who'd be the great deliverer of God's people. Think about Herod, intimidated by a regime change, even though Jesus was not after his kingdom, he was after every kingdom, tried to kill off all the kids, all the boys in a generation. And guess what? Jesus, obviously, for the protection of God, not only got out, but he did fulfill everything. And I don't know what's been coming after your kids, and I don't know what's been coming after your marriage. I would just say that the enemy has no place if you don't give them a place. And although there might be some resistance as we press in, guess what? The, 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 the hand of God will hover over your house. The protection of the Almighty will be on your marriage and on your family and on your kids. And if you haven't done it well up to this point, well, today is a day of new beginnings. So since society tries and culture tries to stop and tear down this generational movement and blessing of God, um, we have to choose to press in and to restore. So the family that God blesses for all those that really love God and take notes, you can write this down. The family that God blesses, listen, never stops building. You never graduate from the daily grind to bring in more of God's glory into your home and to educate, to build, to impress the ways of God, to pray for the next generation. There's a pastor mentor of mine I love very much, and he, um, he pastors one of the largest churches in American history. And I've asked him one time uh, in a private setting with just a couple other leaders, and I said, hey, talk about some of your disappointments. What about a disappointing season? And it's good just to hear every once in a while that not everybody that looks like they're winning all the time wins every time. And he says, you know, my greatest disappointment are, he framed it this way, my greatest disappointing seasons were always because I, I felt like my family was doing really well, and so I slowed down shepherding my own house for a while. Because they had momentum and things were going well, but it would not be very long before some things start to catch up to us. And, and a, a struggle season in the next season was always always came after a kind of slow down, take it easy season with, with, with building my family. In other words, he says, I regret taking my foot off the gas and leading my family where we were called to go. So this is why we never stop building. We don't take time off to, to give up territory to the enemy. And when I think about great rebuilding stories, obviously we've got the story in the Old Testament, the story of Nehemiah, that there is not a miracle that happens, but the power of unity, according to the plan of God, they rebuild the, the walls of Jerusalem and restore that promised place of God for God's people. In 52 days, God did something amazing just because of their faithfulness, their unity, and, and honestly, the resistance against the adversity that they just kept on building. Now, the previous generation had missed it, had messed up, had been kicked out of the promised place, and they came back to a hometown that was in ruins. 
but all it took was one generation and 52 days to rebuild it. I don't know what has been torn down in the generations of your family heritage, but I'm here to tell you, if you choose today, I'm gonna build on the God plan. I'm gonna keep building for the future. My kids might be grown right now, but I'm not giving up, I'm getting back in. I'm gonna never stop building and speaking life into them. God can change it all. Here it happens in less than a month and a half. I do not know the timeline it will happen in your life, but I promise you, he who makes every promise in God's word is faithful to deliver. He will see your family move into the future. Nehemiah 4, get all hyped up already. Verse 13, therefore I position men. Come on, men, just give me a low growling amen. Just give me that, give me that high T amen. Thank you. Therefore I position men behind the lower parts of the wall, the lower part, the behind the scenes, the humble place, the broken place. Nehemiah says, I need some men that were willing to get low, to be humble, to be used by God. Anywhere there was an opening, anywhere there was a gap, I need a man to go and fill it. I set people there according to their families, so I put all the families in one spot of the wall. They all worked together. And then I, they had to bring their weapons. Come on, you needed some swords in this fight, some spears. They brought their bows. I looked and arose and said to the nobles, the leaders, and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of the enemy. Don't be afraid of them. Remember, the Lord is great and awesome. But we got to fight for something that's bigger than just your own place. It's bigger than your own promotion. It's bigger than your own fulfillment. we got to fight for your brothers and fight for your sons. And we're fighting for your daughters. And we're fighting for your wives. It was plural back then, but God is, that is not God's plan. <laughs> that ain't God's plan. And fight for your houses. Uh, every family took a spot. This is a, this is a picture of the church. In a culture of corruption, in a culture of antichrist, in a culture of attack, we got some walls to build together. Not to keep the world out, but to grow generational, to grow healthy, to become more like Jesus. We gotta rebuild the walls, and every family's got a spot on the wall, and every hole needs a guy to step in and say, I'll cover this thing. And verse 20 says, whenever you hear the sound of the trumpet, rally around. In other words, there's a time for us to all rally together. And when we rally together and when we're willing to fight, we know that there God will fight for us. What he's saying is if you'll own your spot and fight for your family, your heavenly father will fight for you. And there's attack upon the home. Why? Because what you have is worth fighting for. And so we never stop building. Deuteronomy 11, I love this from the... The, from this translation, the Amplified, it says, you've got to teach them. And it's not a one-time lesson. It says the word diligently. We've got to stay diligent in this thing. Teach this to your children, impressing God's precepts or God's truth on their minds, getting into their hearts with his truths, speaking of them as you sit in the house. In other words, we're talking about the ways of God and the ways that God works and when you walk along the road, and when you go to bed at night, and when you wake up in the morning, it's just always is this central theme, as this is what it looks like to honor God, and this is what God is asking of us, and this is what Jesus did, and this is what we can do in his name, and this is what it looks like to be walking in, in relationship with God. We never stop building, because ultimately, it's not about them graduating Valley Victorian. That's wonderful. 
It's actually about them graduating one day into eternity, becoming as much like Jesus as possible in the process. It's greater than the the athletic achievements and MVPs and being on the honor roll. All those things are worthy of celebration and focus, but to be more like Jesus as you win the spelling bee and as you score the winning touchdown and as you crush the recital, it's about all these things, but more important, the main thing is that you would look more like Jesus and that's what we are here to build. Says that Jesus in Luke chapter two, as he grew up, in other words, he didn't just arrive on the scene, although he was fully God and fully man. He didn't mature. The, the walking around healing miracle Jesus didn't come out of the womb. He grew into his potential and purpose. Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and with man. And I'm gonna tell you, every single son and daughter in all of our households, every granddaughter and grandson out there has the same potential to be just like Jesus. But they will not get there until we help them grow in wisdom and favor and stature to learn how to carry themselves and step into their, into their calling. The family that God blesses always keeps building. The family that God blesses also learns to draw the line. There's some things that are in and some things that are out. There's some things that we've already pre-decided on are not for us. And some things that we have decided on that this is the way we operate and this is the way we live. What are we working for and what will we actually allow? It's deciding where your yes is and where your no is. It's called standards. It's called obedience. It's called, that's sin, and this is honoring God, and we're going to stay over here. That we're choosing to draw the line not based upon the ever-decreasing, gradual decline of culture, but on the high calling of who we're called to be in Christ, we're going a different direction. It says, surely the righteous, it says, the right standing with God, which we know that now in this New Testament, New Covenant life is a gift that we received in Jesus, but there's still a right way and a wrong way. There's still things that are in and things that are out, and the righteous will never be shaken. They will be remembered for forever. And I'll be honest with you. I know my parents are watching. They're always watching. I love you, Mom and Dad. Um, I had some pretty rigid lines growing up. Anyone grow up in like a super saved family like me? Come on. Like, we were not allowed to watch Smurfs. We're talking about little blue cartoon characters because there was witchcraft and sorcery and I was going to catch me a demon on the TV <laughs> and worship Satan if I watched Smurfs. Halloween? Are you out of your mind? Harvest Festival? Hallelujah-ween, whatever that means. That's how we rolled. We dressed up like Bible characters. <laughs> My sister once had all these grapes, I'm sorry, these um, purple balloons on her, and she was the fruit of the spirit. She was grapes. <laughs> I had like a little tan sweatsuit on, and I was the Lion of Judah. This is true. This is my life. Somehow, I still served God. And I can laugh about it now, and honestly, some of it was too intense, to be honest. But am I grateful for some rigid lines that I didn't need the Smurfs? I'm grateful for the scripture. Like what I actually got 
And so if we're going to err on a side, I'm not saying legalism is the route that we choose. I'm just saying you've got to draw a line. You can, what's allowed for your neighbor is not always allowed to you. And that is okay. And we don't just say no, 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 no to our kids. We say no because God has something greater. No, because this world and all of its ways are sliding down. And we're called to be a remnant of righteousness, not just for ourselves because we're better than them. No, because we're in the trenches trying to win and serve them so they can know the love of God only found in Jesus Christ. This is why we're built different. And this is why we draw, this is why we draw lines in this world that we live in. It's agenda-laden and anti-truth. And Jesus is the truth, so if it's anti-truth, it is anti-Christ. And it might be subtle at first, and we don't live in fear, but we are not blind to the ways of the enemy. And we do not make decisions out of fear. We make decisions based on faith, that we're going to grow something different, and you won't be different until you divide the line. You need to draw a line. In Joshua chapter 24, Joshua he knows what it's like to be the outsider, even in his own people group. Him and Caleb, of the 12 young leaders they sent in to spy out the promised land, only two of them said, hey, God's with us. The rest of them, they drew a line of fear that says, no, God can't be with us. This ain't going to work. And later on, as they're about ready to step into the promised land, he, he calls another generation to an opportunity to establish the line of obedience. It says in verse 14, now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods of your ancestors. In other words, the gods of the culture you were in. The ones they worship beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt. And, and you, instead of worshiping the way the world worships and what the world worships, we, we serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, you'd rather desire the status quo of culture then choose for yourself this day whom you should serve, whether gods of your ancestors, the ones they served before, or the real one and true living God. In other words, are you gonna, it says there, are you going to serve the gods of the Amorites, the, the land that you're in? Do you want it like they have it, or do you want it like God wants it? But for me in my household, he says, I'm drawing the line. We will serve the Lord. And Joshua went out in while a generation stayed out. Joshua drew the line. Fathers and mothers, let's draw the line. And every line we draw, we're going to draw it in love. They're going to get it wrong, just like you got it wrong growing up. And we're going to show grace. And we're going to teach them how to be disciplined out of love, not out of anger and not out of fear. But we surely are not going to just let the lines be drawn wherever they may lie. Or else we will find ourselves just like the world around us. In the land that you are living. Guys, we're in this world. We're not of this world. We're built different. And we design. It's by design. You want to know where the lines fall? Right here. Every line, every word, every truth, every precept is where you decide what's in and what's out. God-first families are never formed out of convenience or comfort. It is about standing firm in the truth and upholding standards that are set by God. Will you do it perfectly? Far from it. But can you be perfected through it by the grace of God? Yes, you can. Regardless of the prevailing norm of the world around us, the culture around us will not work. It will change again for the worse very soon. Watch. 
And so if we just fit into it right now, we're going to decline. But by design, so we can have God destiny, we establish the route that we're going to take. Drawing the line doesn't mean we are judgmental to the world or self-righteous like we've got it all figured out. It means we are striving to live to the fullest potential of who Christ has called us to become. We value what God values. We celebrate what God celebrates. We are motivated by the God-honoring way. And we're going to show the world a better way by how we live. That's what we're after. And Nehemiah, he encountered some problems in the rebuilding of the wall. Opposition. In verse 2, they're trying to get him off of the project of the rebuild. And he just says to the enemy, I love this. He says to the enemy, you'll, you'll have no portion here. In other words, you've got no place here. We've just established, you can, you can mock you can uh, make accusations, you can make threats, but this is not yours. You have, that's a line that is drawn of who gets voice and who doesn't. In other words, he says, there's no place here for that. And the enemy loves to divide and conquer. He loves to divide in marriages and, and in families so he can stop the future. And we just leave no room for the enemy to put his wedge in between. Nehemiah 4, verse 14, it says, after I looked things over. Then I stood up and said, don't be afraid. Don't fear this world around us. No, we're going to honor God. I love that he says, after I looked things over. In other words, he assessed what needed to change and what needed to change first. He assessed what needed prior, priority focus for his people to participate in the rebuild. So he assessed and evaluated and he asked God, what is your plan? And when he got that plan, he executed that plan. So the family that God, God blesses, understands, listen, understands the season. That not every season is the same. In different seasons, there are different steps that you need to take and places of priority. So you, you don't need to fix everything at once. You just need to fix the greatest fault or problem right now. For some of you, as husband and wife, it isn't about training your kids yet. You need to get back together in unity with your spouse. You need to quit fighting all the time. You might need some counseling, and you might need to let some other believers know to help you and stand with you. But we need to get unity in the marriage before we do ministry to the family. We, we might need to cut out some stuff that's been hiding in your life underneath the surface that nobody knows about but you and God. But you know you stand up to try to share Jesus or truth with your kids, and you feel like a hypocrite because of what's going in your heart. You need to get in a group, and you need to get real with God and with others and get that healing in that place because that's what needs to happen before all the other things can domino effect happen. And so you understand the season so you can get the strategic plan from God. Listen, I actually learned this from a book. It's not a Christian book, but it's written by a Christian guy. And it says, hey, in, in every season, you need to set up what your battle cry is. In other words, what are we really fighting for in this season? And sometimes it's been about the, the raising of our kids and a, a particular kid, the one that needed the most attention or help then. It's not that we just forsake all the other kids and just threw some Pop-Tarts and video games at them. We just got real intentional with our focus. Some of you, it's a financial focus. The stress on your marriage is a lot. And so you need to get out of some debt. You might need to make something because it's weighing down the whole family. And again, it's not that you stop doing all the other things. It's just you got a priority thing that you got to fix it first. Because if there's a big crack in the foundation, why would you try to build anything else on it? 
we go to that place. And listen, I haven't mastered it, but we pray about it. We talk about it. Sometimes the season's a month. Sometimes it's three. It could be a year. It could be a while. But we just say, we're staying on this hole in the wall until it is healed and fixed. And then guess what? We're going to move on to another one. In many ways, the raising of our kids and even the building of our marriage, it's like the Golden Great Bridge. Like They have to paint that thing every year. And as soon as they finish on one side, they go back to the beginning and start again. Why? Because the environment and, and the salt water is so corrosive that it eats away. In other words, we'll be doing this forever, but it will fall apart if we don't do something now. And so you got to find out, God, what are you asking of me right now? The NFL preseason, I think it ends today, and we get to the real games. And the preseason's great and all. It gives guys a chance to make the team, and, but they aren't trying any real plays. There's no trick plays going down. Uh, trust me, the best teams are keeping the secret sauce to themselves. And they're trying to injure their star players. And, 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 and because why? The games don't really count. It's to get the rust off and to get back to game speed and work out these things. Do you know in the building of your family, in the building of your marriage, there really is no preseason? Well, maybe there is one. If you're not married right now or you don't have kids, it's the time for you to work really hard. Not in just trying to find a spouse. And not even to conceive a child, but how can you get so mature and healthy now that you are not a, a weak part of the foundation of the future of what God wants to build in you? My kids are, are growing up so fast. My oldest is going to be 12 next month. and That's, I could just cry. Guys, can all, I'm going to do my own altar call. You can pray for me. <laughs> and... My son, Graham, both, both of my oldest, my, my oldest are, are now, their time before they leave the house. And they will leave the house in Jesus' name. <laughs> but by the time they leave the house, it's shorter than how long they've been in it. That's a scary one. And I, I, I felt grateful for the diligence, and Liz in particular, she's the hero of the household. Um, she did what she's poured in and prayed for, what we've done together, and there's more for us to do. And we're not starting from scratch. We've been doing this a while, but there are some places where we need to strengthen. And so my focus is like, oh, I want to make sure that the very best of what God has for them, they have it on supply before they step out in the real world. And if we don't dedicate and disciple, and if we don't correct in our own home that is filled with love, they will be they will be corrected and they will be disciplined in a world out there with no love. If we don't handle it in the small, the world will handle them out there in the big world. And so I refuse to let the enemy win in any place or any space. Not that my kids are perfect, they're not. But in our household, we're going to win the small battles when no one else is watching. So when they do graduate onto greater things, that they will win where it matters the most. And so we start now, because why? We want to be that family. We want to build here at Kingdom City the families that God blesses. Listen, it is always training season. I don't have time, but Deuteronomy 6, verse 7, it's much like Deuteronomy 11. It's like, this is just what we do. This is who we are. This is what we're about. And every season is a prayer season. And every season, I would say this, it's a church season. I get it. Not everyone comes to church every week. And I don't need your attendance to feel good about myself. But I say this, that you and your family, when, when your kids wake up on Sunday, they should think automatically that they're going to church. And when they're not, it's the exception. Why? Because of church is that important? Yes. Read your Bible. This is the gathering of the saints for the equipping of God's called ones. 
This is where we grow in unity. This is where we get to practice hospitality to people where it matters the most. This is where iron sharpens iron and we're built up to be better so that we can bring more breakthrough to the world around us. This is a place of priority. And our kids do play a lot of sports. And I sometimes mildly okay, tell the truth in church, I vicariously live through their sports. As all do the other dads. And I jaw the referees with the best of them and I can't, I can't change that. It's just who God has called me to be. And sometimes Graham and Blair are into sports, and they're into sport and music and, uh, and cheerleading and all those things. Like they, they are, but we just, we miss a Sunday from time to time. Liz Willer, I have once for sports, but it's not the norm because we understand that like this is a place of priority, and I do not say that in judgment. I just say learn to draw the line. Learn to draw the line. I know you got your kid in four sports. That's great. Only 2% of any high school athletes are even to play college sports. And most of them will not get a scholarship for it. And I'm not saying that your kid isn't the one in a billion <laughs> gifting of Michael, Jordan, and LeBron all in one. But I'm just saying, would you still, do you think that God can make up the difference when we make a focus on, on discipleship and dedication? Ephesians 6, I love this from the Living Bible. Don't keep on scolding and nagging your children. In other words, we build by design, but we build out of love. We lead out of love. If you're disciplining and you can't do it in the moment out of love, it's still anger. You gotta slow that thing down. You come back to it. So as we're scolding, we're not scolding, we're not nagging, because why? We're gonna make them angry and resentful. Instead, we bring them up with loving training and the teaching of the Lord. We let them know because we're disciplining you because we love you and God has more for you and we want to see God's best in you. Be like, well, I wasn't trained growing up. I'm starting from scratch. That might be your story. Well, God, that was then, but this is now. And God can make up the difference. And in his mercy, he can restore. Get in a group. Pick up your Bible. And as you begin to read it, just ask God, how do I pass this on to my kids? I promise you, if anything else, if nothing else happens, but God begins to change you, that's going to be enough. Because as he changes you and you've got that authority and that voice and that connectivity to your kid, you will begin to change them as well. And so we're building and we never stop building. We draw a line of what in, what's in and, 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 and what's out. We're making priority-based decisions. We understand that seasons change, and we need to have a strategy for every season. And the final thing, if we're the family that God blesses, that we just choose, we're leaving no one behind. We are leaving no one behind. I think about the story of the great reset on the earth, at the flood, that God just called out one, one, one man, one preacher of righteousness, one guy who was found faithful. He found Noah. And he says, here's your strategy. Here's your blueprint. Here's the plan. And it looked like nothing the world had ever seen. And he began to build day in and day out. And he built, and his sons grew up. They built with him, and they built, and they built, and they built, and they were mocked, and they were ridiculed by all the outsiders that didn't understand this was the only way to save the world. How many could see the correlation and connection between building in the kingdom of God now and the culture of the world around us? We get laughed at for the lines that we draw, but we don't draw them in judgment against them. We draw them because this is what God's word says. And we're building according to the blueprint that brings heaven to earth. We're building according to the blueprint that saves the world. 
And Peter, when he tells his part of the story, he, he, he says, he, he mentions the, the life of Noah in his, in his book, and he says, all eight of them got in. In a wicked and corrupt world, all eight made it in. And I want to speak to some of those that got some prodigal kids in the world. or feel like you're making up for lost time because of where you're at right now. I want to tell you right now, if you'll just stay building, 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 God will make up the difference. God will make up the difference. And we're declaring, and it might not happen in a moment, but prodigal sons and prodigal daughters are coming home. That family members that are directly connected, aunts and uncles, cousins and nephews, that they're coming home to Jesus. If you stay building and building and building, living by example and loving sacrificially, if you keep building, God will draw them all in the right time. Because some of you have lost big when it comes to family and marriage. And there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's who you used to be. That is not who you are and definitely not who you're becoming. But the enemy may have devastated you and your family, maybe even by your own mistakes. And you might be fighting for just what's left. But as you rebuild the walls of what's been torn down by culture, the world, other people's decisions, or your own, the miracle is not in what you've lost how far you've fallen or how messed up it is, the miracle will be found in what God does with what you have left. And if you take your little and you give it over to God and you leverage your every day for the rebuilding of your life, friends, he can redeem every lost season. He can reach every lost son or daughter. He has had a heart so big for all of humanity. I think about the prodigal son's story that while he was out living his best life that lasted for a short moment and he ended up totally bankrupt in every way possible. All it took is one moment of him turning and walking back to the house, back to the father, that he did not get an eye roll and he didn't get judgment. Well, he did by the older brother, but not by the father. So what does that mean for us as a church? Let's not be older brothers looking down for those that did not live right. Let's have the heart of the father that goes running down the hill to embrace people right where they are at. And if we can live that way, we can know that God is gonna lead us to a greater way, to be that kind of Psalms 112 family where God blesses. Blessed will you be in your future. Blessed will your children be in the name of Jesus. Blessed will your grandchildren be in Jesus' name. You're not even thinking about great-grandchildren. I'm telling you right now, they will be blessed by the decisions to build your life today. They will be blessed in the future. And guess what? Your family and your household, as you own your spot on the wall, you're building something that's bigger than even your great-grandkids. It's for all of eternity's sake. You're building something that lasts forever. And it won't come without a fight. It won't come without resistance. But greater is he that is in you than anything that's in this world. And greater is he that will redeem you than any mistake you have ever made. If you choose today, there's new morning mercy for you to stay on mission, to get back up, to keep going at it again, to keep praying again, to keep calling the lost home and building your home according to the word of God and you will see the ways of God and the breath of God and the grace of God and the glory of God begin to grow your family, to be to set you up for the future. Surely the righteous will not be shaken. You'll be strong. Blessing will be in your home and blessing starts, starts right now. You'll have no fear of bad news because your heart is steadfast. You're rock steady, trusting in the Lord. 
It ain't your own ability. It ain't your extra, extra, extra work to make up for lost time. It's God's ability. Their hearts are secure. You'll have no fear. Because in the end, in the end, it might be a long season between now and the end, but in the end, you will triumph. Victory will be yours in the end. Let me pray for you. Bow your heads and close your eyes. If you're here right now, maybe you're online, Lansing, and you say, I need help. I, I, I'm in a fight. I, this message hit me in the heart. I, I, God's challenging me that I got to own my spot on the wall. God's challenging me to do the, the work. I might need to redraw some lines. I might need to reinvigorate my prayer life for my family, for my kids. Man, there's some things God's got to change in me. I'm the, I'm the weak link in this scenario. I need God to go to work in me. If that is you, you just pray God's help in the fight for the future of your family. And you know you got to have them. And you're signing up to own your spot for you and your family on this big wall that we're building for the kingdom of God. If that's you and you just need prayer, I'm not going to make you stand. I just want to pray for you right where you are. But if that's you, would you just raise your hand and say, I need help. God, I need your help. God, I want to build right. I want to build different. I want to see your blessing. I want that Psalms 112 to be in my household, to be in my family. I see hands up all over, all over. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the, the message today. But more than anything, you begin to minister to hearts of every father, every mother, every grandparent in here. Maybe even single people that are just believing for God to do a work in them so they'll be ready for the right kind of marriage and ready to build the right kind of family. God, I thank you. There's some Psalms 112 blessing that's happening right now, and it's just the beginning of it. And Lord, I thank you. You would help them live according to the word by the grace of God, and then they would have the strength, the wisdom, the discernment, the divine capability to build where it matters the most. And I would speak over their life. No matter what happens in culture around them, they're going to be steadfast. Why? Because their trust is in you. Lord, I thank you. You're raising up great parents. Maybe even right now, God, you're healing marriage. The fight is not with each other. It's against the enemy. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. And every bit of attack and divisiveness to try to tear down unity, I cancel the assignment of the enemy in the name of Jesus. We thank you that unity and grace and mercy lives in this place. And if we go after the truth and we believe that we're raising up the next great generation of world changers, of husbands and wives and moms and dads of the future. The blessing of heaven is on the houses and homes of Kingdom City. Jesus, stand in this moment of prayer. Keep your head bowed. If you have never given your life to Jesus, listen. You can try your hardest. You can read every father book, every mother book. But if Jesus isn't first, your life's out of order. It doesn't matter how hard you try, you're going to be missing the grace of God. Without the grace of God, you can do no God thing. But that grace has been a gift that we've received at the cross. And you need to say yes to Jesus. If you've never said yes, or maybe you have before, and you know you've just kind of gone and done your own way. Or maybe you grew up around church, around church, but it was never kind of your own decision. Today is a day of decision. Joshua declared, hey, who are you going to serve? It's a drawing line. Because of Jesus' incredible sacrifice, we've been circled up by God. God wants to put you in the circle of his love, his compassion, his care, his forgiveness. Ultimately, his friendship. You could be friends with God, and it starts with Jesus 
first. If Jesus is not first, your whole life is out of order. If you're here, I'm not going to make you stand up, but I do want to know in a moment of humility who I'm praying for. If you're here and you need to begin or to renew a relationship where Jesus is first, can you just lift up your hand and say, that's me, Pastor Kyle. One, two, three, four, a whole family just lift your hand. Five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen. Beautiful. Fifteen. I can't see you. It's too dark in here. I can't see you online or at Lansing. But you know what? God definitely sees your heart. And we're going to stay seated today, and I'll tell you why in just a moment. And we're going to pray a prayer. We're going to pray it as one big family of faith. So now we can open our eyes and we can smile. But do you believe this? Listen, church. People, there are people in the room right now that this, they're making a forever decision for all of eternity. This is why we build the wall. This is why we build for something bigger than ourselves. This is the forever stuff. Amen. Can we just give a little round of applause to everyone that already lifted their hand before they even pray? That we're so proud of them. What an honor it is to be a part of this moment with you. We're all going to pray together as one family of faith. Come on, let's pray. Say this after me. Say, thank you, God, for loving me. I was lost without you. But you sent Jesus to rescue my life. He gave up his life and rose from the grave so I could be forgiven and I could be empowered to live a life for God. God, I call you friend. I want to know you personally. I'm putting the past behind me. All of my old sin, I'm stepping out of. I've drawn the line. I'm going forward. I'm all in for Jesus from this day on. In his name I pray. Amen. Amen. Can we give it up? Beautiful.